You're listening to the Elevate Your Brand podcast, where we talk to some of the smartest entrepreneurs and fastest growing brands on the market today. I'm your host, Laurel Mintz, a reformed corporate M&A attorney who founded award-winning LA-based marketing agency, Elevate My Brand. We've elevated some of the world's biggest brands from Facebook, Paw Patrol, and Verizon to innovative startups you haven't even heard of yet. Are you ready to elevate your brand? Keep listening. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Elevate Your Brand. I, of course, am your host, Laurel Mintz, and I'm joined today by Nick Mendoza, who is the founder and CEO of Neptune Snacks. Nick, thank you for joining us today. Hey there. Glad to be here. Uh, I have to tell you, I am a big fan. Um, I love alternative protein sources that are not fatty and overwhelming. And I was a big beef jerky fan until I realized just it's not that great for you. Um, so I love what you're doing over there at Neptune Snacks. Why don't you share with our audience what it actually is? Yeah, absolutely. So Neptune, Sustainable Ocean Snacks, uh, we're makers of a healthy, sustainable fish jerky. We make four flavors of our product from uh, two source fisheries. Both are Oregon, uh, Washington, and Alaska wild-caught fish from two of the top-rated uh, certified fisheries. And I'll tell you kind of all about our sustainability model and you know the product attributes and kind of what makes what we do special. Well, aside from that, the flavor profiles are on point. I really love them. I get a ton of snacks, and I say on the podcast all the time, like, I don't love all of the things that I get. Um, but we went through those snacks so quickly because it's just <laughs> such a great grab and go, right? Like if you're on, if you are like running out the door and you're like, oh shit, I haven't had anything to eat. I need to grab something. Or if you want to put it as a topper on a salad, I love that it adds so much flavor there. I mean, it's just a fantastic, fantastic product. So share with us a bit about your history and how you got into deciding this was what you were going to do in your life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it, it's it's a kind of a funny story. It, as a as you might expect for somebody who starts a fish jerky company, it wouldn't likely be a <laughs> a, a standard <laughs> Not top story. of mind, right? Yeah. So um, I actually started my career as a marine science and sustainable aquaculture research researcher. Um, well, that makes sense. <laughs> I, yeah. So I um, I was really lucky to work in eight countries. I sailed on three transoceanic research expeditions. And really hold this belief that the future of feeding the planet sustainably is going to come from the sea. It's going to have to come from the sea if we can correct a lot of the ills that have happened in the last you know, 40 or 50 years in global right. seafood and kind of direct the path of the growth of you know, sustainable aquaculture that's up and coming in you know, the fastest growing food industry. Um, the other part of my, my backstory is I actually partly grew up on a cattle ranch in New Mexico, oh. um, so a bit of a, a surf and turf upbringing i guess the other part of my life was in san diego um and i really so i have you know food in in my blood and my grandfather was a farmer um and there was sort of this transitional point in my career where i realized you know the work i was doing in the science field wasn't necessarily translating into change in the industry and mm. kind of what i wanted to see in seafood um and meanwhile i had this passion about food and kind of the world came together on a trip back to my my family's ranch wow that's quite a background. My goodness. Um, I've actually never heard it called aquaculture. You've heard agriculture, but never heard it actually called aquaculture. Is that, I mean, I'm assuming that's not a term that you coined, but is that a new, newer coin term? Well, it's, it's one of the newer kind of large scale food industries. Um, you know, seaweed, any bivalves like uh, mussels, oysters, et cetera, are pretty much all coming from aquaculture. 
about half of the the fin fish, the seafood that we eat, um, is now being farmed versus well caught. And you know, usually one of the first things people ask me when they find out my background or people who have known me a long time and know me as Nick the fish guy with with the knowledge <laughs> on both all all things aquatic, but also like what you should be eating. You know, are we supposed to be eating farmed salmon or wild or avoiding fish entirely? And um, this all these sort of questions that I get on a daily basis um, have were a major part of actually the founding of Neptune because realize that um, you know seafood is this corner of the the food industry that mm-hmm. people have a lot of questions about. There's a lot of um, lack of information transparency, and meanwhile, you know, being such a healthy item to add to your to your diet, people just don't really know how. It's like I don't know how to cook it. I don't. I never know what to buy at the for a seafood counter. And there aren't that many convenient ways to do it. Um, but to kind of so quickly, answer, yeah, your first question about aquaculture, that generally refers to um, food we're raising. So, you know, farming in a marine environment, whether that's, like I said, seaweed, bivalves, fish, uh, I think even like alligators qualify as aquaculture, which is interesting. <laughs> All right. Um, it's just a fascinating industry. So since you brought it up, I would love to know the answers to all of those questions as much as we can on this podcast because we've only got so much time. But, you know, what are the right answers to those questions? Like, what should we be eating? What shouldn't we be eating, um, et cetera, as it relates to aquaculture? Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, just to clarify, also wild caught fish. So there's those are the two sides of what makes right. up seafood. Um, right. And everything that we source is actually wild caught, and I'll kind of get to the reason why that is. But because I've always um, heard wild caught's better, right? Wild caught's t- typically better. I mean, again, I'm, this is why we're having these conversations. And exactly. Like yeah. Shown on this. Yeah. So that's exactly the thing. Is in most seafood, um, especially with fish, uh, you you really need to know so many things about where it's coming from to know is it sustainable? Is it from an ethical source? You know, can I really feel good about? doing this you know a lot of people ask is it from a safe source etc um one thing to note is that the u.s has some of the the most stringent um monitoring and regulation in the world in terms of our um domestic fisheries and aquaculture so you know you can rest your head on a lot with a lot of faith in u.s west coast u.s east coast fisheries the um the wild Alaska pollock and the U.S. West Coast rockfish resource are two of the top MSC certified fisheries in the world. The pollock's actually number two globally for their score and that standard. And um, the rockfish, which is wild caught off the coast of Oregon and Washington, um, was called by the New York Times the greatest conservation success story you've never heard of, um, wow. partly because of the effort that went into uh, the rehabilitation of a fishery that had gotten to a point of overexploitation and they shut it down and they said you know before we open this we're going to bring together the fishermen the advocacy groups the uh, lawmakers to be sure that um, we create a resource that's that's going to continue to grow right because there's a lot of issues to talk about here like so there's the sustainability issue which is a global issue let's be honest right but that's about not eating fish that are uh, being over farmed or over caught, right? Over overdone, basically. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, the secondary issue, which is health and wellness, right? Like some of these, um, the fish that's caught is and even grown has like really high mercury levels, and there's things that are just really bad. There's there could be all kinds of parasites. I mean, there could be all kinds of things as it relates to the fish that you consume, right? 
Yeah, you're, you're totally right that there's there's so many considerations. And unfortunately, a lot of the most commonly consumed fish in the United States, like on that top 10 list, which makes up, I think, close to 80% of what we eat, like 10 seafood items, essentially. Um, Do you know those off the top of your head? I would love to share it. Like, let's have this be action. <laughs> I won't go down the 10 list, but uh, okay. it's, you know, it's, it's tuna, salmon, tilapia, shrimp. Um, that we should not be chili. eating. No, no, no. Sorry. Those, those are the top most consumed. Um, oh, got it. Okay. US, but, okay. Um, was, you're if, speaking about everything that's in my freezer right now. <laughs> I know, right? It's, and, you know, we're kind of getting it. The whole issue is that seafood is such a diverse and complex category that right. typically consumers know the least about, I feel. Um, yeah. No matter, you know, you can really have a, a dedication to wanting to know more. And it, it's just really challenging because there's wild, there's farm, there's, you know, we import um, 80% of sorry 90% of the seafood that we eat as a country the United States and export 80% of what's landed on domestically and it's this you know we even reimport some of the the seafood that has been exported once it was processed in China or other places and it's this kind of crazy web that's hard to understand but um you know with a focus on three things which is kind of core to what Neptune does you can really begin to to make the best choices and that's um a focus on local so, um, you know, understanding what some of the certifications and, and recommendation schemes are and, and what they mean, um, sort of seeing local fish that aren't necessarily like your your tuna that's been, you know, caught in the the eastern Pacific and, and shipped over, but um, is native to your, to your local shores and you can get from local fishermen, um, which is what, in the case of rockfish, and then uh, what we do. The other one is the traceability and being able to guarantee that that's the case. Um, mm-hmm. Very little seafood is today is traceable back to source, partly because there's so many buyers and sellers in the supply chain, and it's coming from so far off. Um, when we have, you know, really great local seafood options. Um, yeah, I don't think people recognize like the little little piece of seafood that you get on your plate at a restaurant, like the gigantic piece of fish that that came from. And I only actually had um, an aware more of an awareness of that when I traveled to Japan into their fish markets and saw the the trade going on over there, which is I mean, it is a massive, massive, massive industry. But the tiny little piece that you see is like one one thousandth of what that original fish typically comes from, which is a wild thing in terms of scale to think about. Absolutely. Yeah. And and another big thing is um, there's a huge amount of waste in seafood, partly for that uh-huh. reason that, you know, there's there's so many buyers and sellers. There's a, also a large preference for fresh, never frozen, even though numerous studies have shown that the highest quality, you know, best sensory performance in taste, texture, et cetera, uh, fish you can get is frozen at sea or immediately frozen, yeah. like sushi grade fish is immediately frozen. But um, yeah. this kind of fallacy leads to a lot of fresh fish that ends up spoiling. And, and then also every step of the supply chain, there's there's loss. And there's and a there's bit of our, our yeah. um, model that I'll, I'll get to that addresses that as well. Let's get into that, but let's take a really quick break. We'll be right back. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Mexi Craft Tequila Seltzer. It is a top-shelf tequila seltzer made with craft tequila from Jalisco, Mexico, real juice, and sparkling water. Each can contains a shot and a half of premium Blanco tequila, which y'all know is my favorite, and no more than three grams of sugar for those of you watching that. You can get it in Whole Foods in Southern California or order it online at MexiSeltzer.com. Follow them on IG at MexiSeltzer and use Podcast 20 for 20% off your first order. Thanks for sticking with us. And if you're just tuning in, I am chatting with Nick Mendoza, who is the CEO and founder of Neptune Snacks. We were talking about the fishing industry and the challenges that it has uh, prior to the break. And you're going to tell us a little bit about how Neptune is solving for some of those issues. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as I mentioned before, I was I worked in marine science and sustainable aquaculture research. So our our sourcing model is meant to sort of manifest the model that I wanted to see in the world in bringing you know, the healthiest, you know, sustainable, ethically sourced fish into a consumer's backpack in places that uh, it's really convenient to to eat it without the pain points that um, I've been the first firsthand recipient of in in the friends and family that that call me to ask for tips on how to eat more healthy, sustainable seafood. Um, yeah. So we source U.S. West Coast rockfish and wild Alaska pollock that's traceable to the fish fishery and fishermen that caught it. So there's a QR code on the back of the package, and you can scan it and put your batch ca- batch catch code um, and trace back. Say that ten times fast. Batch catch code. <laughs> yeah, batch catch code. Um, to to release it, you know the the vessel, the the marine area that um, that the fish was caught, and it shares the story. We have a, a video from our um, traceability partner on our website, and kind of describes why it's so important um, to have this information in an industry where so little seafood is actually um, adequately traceable back to the source, which leads actually there's quite a bit of mislabeling in seafood. You think you're eating so much mislabeling. Yeah. That stuff is that is scary. It it really is. I mean, um, there have been a lot of studies in, uh, in different markets that show. It, I, I won't quote the numbers, but more seafood is fraudulently labeled than you'd ever hope to be the case um Ugh, don't and- tell my love of sushi but i've <laughs> i've heard that as well i mean i think everyone there's been so many um articles that have shared that and yet the the policies and the tracing like you said it really hasn't changed why is that i think again it's it's because the consumers who have the the passion and and the interest in seeing the change don't necessarily know where to start with such a complex category but so with that Find My Fish platform on our package, our hope is that, you know, maybe the first time a customer has ever encountered that ability to trace the fish back to its source is with a, a packet of our jerky. But the next time they sit down and order, you know, fish at a restaurant or they're, you know, at their local fishmonger asking what to buy, they have those same questions. As, like, Can you tell me, can you sh- prove to me that this is from a sustainable source and, and that it's even traceable back to it um the other the other part that i mentioned in the seafood waste so um most of the u.s west coast rockfish that we source are actually undervalued cuts and fillets so you know the fillet breaks in processing or it's just under spec or the wrong shape a bit like the kind of imperfect produce i was just um, gonna say mm-hmm. yeah it's the exact same model perfectly good it you know would would be on a white tablecloth restaurant um if not for that superficial reason. And for us, you know, it goes to our slicers, goes into our marinade and dryers and, um, you know, doesn't make any difference. So it's, it's great to create 
more value and put it to its highest purpose from what is already considered kind of an undervalued species because rockfish, you know, who knows what a rockfish is? Um, well, we should because it's it's one of rockfish is part of the U.S. West Coast groundfish complex that um, sort of the best managed. You know, they're only landing about 20, 25 percent of the quota, um, which is based on science. of What's a sustainable catch? Because the market isn't there for a lot of these species. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's fish that's very similar to cod or, or haddock. But if you don't know the name, you're probably not going to order it if you're a consumer. Right. That's a, that's a bit of the finicky. Right. It's about um, the education and awareness side of it, just as much as it is the sustainability side from the consumer perspective. Right? Because if we don't know to ask for it, then if you see something on the menu, you're going to go right past it and, and pick probably a farm salmon or something like that. Exactly. And um, mm-hmm. and not that all, all farm fish or farm salmon is bad, but it, again, you just need to know so many things about the source. Um, but and then the, the last part, I think that's a, a key component of of seafood and what we're doing is that um, that convenience of as a consumer, you know, you're not sure how to cook it. You're not sure what you're buying. Um, you know, if you want to add fish to your diet, but you don't want to do any cooking, you know, what are your other options? Um, a can of a can of tuna, maybe um, some nori nori seaweed snacks. So we really believe that um, seafood is overdue in the snack food category in the United mm-hmm. States. Mm-hmm. It's so commonly eaten in, in so many other countries as a snack and there's a lot of rich traditions in Asia and Scandinavia and all over the world in seafood snacking and we want to be able to give consumers the ability to do that with you know all those other components you know the storied sourcing model highly nutritious clean label um, which I haven't even kind of gotten into the nutritional report card for our products which is I think really impressive as well it but is. That's and that's one of the things I love most about it. You know, I've tried a lot of snacks in this category, even because there are, like you said, it's a new category that's growing. And I've tried some of the other ones and they, the fat content is far higher. The calorie count is higher. Um, sodium levels are ridiculous. I mean, your fish, um, your snacks are the best I've actually seen in the market. And I'm not just giving you lip service on that one. Like it's really delicious and nutritious and it's the best that I've tasted on the market so far. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and not to mention, again, back to the sustainability issue, you have this com- this uh, comparative chart on your website that talks about um, how much or how the lack of footprint and feed and fresh water, basically how incredibly sustainable it is compared to every other uh, protein source. So you compare it to tofu, you compare it to eggs, pork, beef. I mean, it's an amazing um, graphic here that you've created. And basically, you have you don't need any water, you don't need any feed, and you have it's the lowest footprint of all of the proteins, which is pretty remarkable. So I wanted to call that out, um, and then I want you to share with us a little bit about more of the uh, nutritional side because it's so important. Absolutely, um, and I I do really appreciate you bringing attention to that because um, it's funny that what that um, graphic you're describing. We actually have this huge postcard that we bring to trade shows. It says so. Uh, what actually makes this sustainable? Because, you know, that that word is so broad and has even totally. been called into question as like what sustainability mm-hmm. really means. Mm-hmm. But Especially for me, with you so know, much greenwashing happening in exactly. every category right now. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, it's, it's, there's many facets of it. It's not just about impact on the environment. It's about resource use, resource efficiency. You know, you mentioned the fresh water use, arable land, um, and overall carbon footprint in a world that, you know, increasingly we need to be thinking about 
carbon and climate change every single day, I think. Right. Um, and see, you know, a, a truly sustainable seafood item is hard to beat in terms of all of those metrics. Um, and so I, I, I like to, to always bring that up in the conversation, um, especially when people don't know if they should even be eating seafood because of um, the, the sustainability concerns, like, for example, in, that Seaspiracy raised, um, which we won't get <laughs> in the weeds talking about, uh, <laughs> about that, but um, you should say what well, you won't get in the kelp talking about. We don't get yeah, in the kelp. You know. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I have to bring a little of my weird, wacky humor uh, I to love the it. table. Um, I also think that I've always had a, I mean, not to say that I'm has, have the most sophisticated palate in the world, but I've always leaned into those flavor profiles that tend to, to air on a little bit of, like, I love a herring. I love anything mm -hmm. that's dried seafood, um, like very Asian culture inspired. So this to me is exactly the flavor profile that I was looking for in this category. How do you think that we can share that with more people who might be skeptical? Cause like beef jerky has just got, he's like, they're, they've like run the, the game on this market. It feels like, but it's time for change. Like you said, how do we educate and empower people to try the product? Yeah. I mean, it, it like you said, it's, it can be challenging. There's always the binary, like, say, hey, do you want to try? And people kind of wrinkle their eyebrow and they, half of people say, oh, absolutely. And the other half are like, oh, is it, is it taste gross? I'm like, yep, it, it's gross. We built a whole business <laughs> around a, a gross tasting product. But um, no, I mean, uh, some of the things we, we like to call out are um, the awards we've won, including in blind taste tests against uh, beef jerky and other products for, for specifically taste and texture. Mm -hmm. We have a satisfaction guarantee, which I think is important too to encourage them to know, hey, we, we back our products 100%. If you don't like it, no questions asked, you'll get a refund. And we might ask you what you thought about the product, but, um, but always. And I think the encouragement of trial is, is always the key when you're trying to create sort of a new product category. Um, but the other thing is like, we, we, never, we didn't quite nail in on the, the uh, nutritional aspects, but 25 grams of protein a bag, 450 to 580 omega-3s, you know, 80 or 90 calories per serving. There's there's two two servings in a bag. Um, it has this like really amazing nutritional profile, plus a lot of the the micronutrients and um, and vitamins you get from seafood in this very small portable package of protein. Um, yeah, yeah, really, really good stuff. We're gonna take another really quick break. We'll be right back. Who says you've got to be big to get things done? We know that size matters in some things, but in other things like marketing, a small and scrappy team like Elevate My Brand can really take your brand to the next level. Our job is to create visibility so you can create profitability. Give us a call today and let's schmooze. All right, chatting with my friend Nick Mendoza, who's the CEO and founder of Neptune Snacks. Um, my only problem with it, honestly, Nick, is that you finish the bag and you're like, what? That's gone. What the heck? I feel like you need a bigger, um, a bigger size so that you can have more servings. And um, I don't feel as guilty going through a bag. Actually, I don't feel guilty at all because it's really so good for you. I'm just like, I'm sad that I'm done with it when I'm done. <laughs> it's such a great product. Uh, now, let's be honest. It does have a scent to it, right? Because fish has a smell. It doesn't bother me, but I want to be very clear. Like this is a product that like you have to get into and just try it because I swear to God, it will change your life. Like I love it, but you probably don't want to eat it before you're going into a business meeting. Let's just be honest, right? <laughs> Unless it's on the <laughs> salad. We do that every day over at Neptune. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, so since we are talking about people trying the products, why don't you share with uh, our audience where they can find you? 
Yeah, so we are in, I think by the end of this month, it'll be about 700 stores across wow. the country. Um, it's it's really a lot of, it regionally dependent, a lot of um, co-ops and natural markets. We'll be in Yeltsin's if you're in SoCal um, in the next month or so. But um, some great places to pick us up anywhere you are in the country would be Thrive Market, Amazon, our website. Um, but if you find us in a local store, that would be a great option too. Um, yeah. You mind if I, I call out the uh, the flavors because I don't think we've we've done that yet. Go for it. I I love every single one of them. Yeah. So our, our top seller at the moment is uh, the cracked pepper, which is the Wadalask Pollock and sweet citrus ginger as uh, close behind it. Um, sea salt and juniper is kind of the uh, the OG original. So um, good. It's yeah. We actually use upcycled juniper botanicals from a gin distiller. Um, that's why i love it i'm a gin and tonic girl my husband liked that one the most most too i was like god this is so awesome it's because we're gin drinkers there we go that makes sense yeah it's you know it's it's pretty subtle but i i just think it's such an amazing subtle beautiful ingredient um that we're happy to be again upcycling to its best purpose um that one actually at our first ever trade show uh fancy foods in new york before we even like we didn't have packaging printed was sort of doubting whether starting neptune was was a good choice having left my career and um, Massimo Batura, who, if, if you're familiar, head chef mm-hmm. behind two times top rated restaurant in the world, happened to come across us and, and actually selected us as his top pick from that show. And then we had a lot of wow. press follow. I, I almost passed out in the moment. That <laughs> <it happened. laughs> yeah, that's, um, so, a, that's a huge deal. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a big moment. And um, yeah, definitely put wind in our sails. I love um, that. And, and finally, the the last flavor, which is the other uh, rockfish skew, is uh, spicy Cajun, and that's my personal favorite, as long as well as my co-founder. Yeah, it's got some heat on it. My husband liked that one a lot too. I was the I liked the juniper one. I thought it was a, a very unique and subtle flavor profile. And now I realize it's just because I'm an alcoholic and I like gin and tonic. And that's <laughs> why I'm just kidding. Um, it makes for a great bar snack with a cocktail. There you go. Yeah. Um, so, uh, oh gosh, what was our last question? I was going to ask you. Oh, let's talk about the branding component because obviously I love the Neptune name. I can't believe you could actually own that in this category that nobody owns that yet. Um, but Neptune is the god of the sea. Is that, and is it Greek mythology? Give us a little bit of background on the branding. Yeah, Roman mythology. Actually, Roman. so we were originally one for Neptune, which um, this is a really great kind of story. When I used to do the Trans-Pacific Research Expeditions, and it was a, you know, two-mast brigantine-style sailing vessel. And they keep a lot of the old traditions from, you know, the 1400s, even to this day, even on a, a research ship. And one of them, which was my f- most um, favorite hallowed tradition, is at the end of a voyage, when you've made a successful crossing, the captain gathers everyone and, and thanks them for their hard work, congratulates them, but first and foremost has to toast to Neptune and pours a drink, one for Neptune, into the sea. And that's sort of your giving back to the you know the almighty protector that that guarded your passage and so our model is based around trying to give back to the ocean that that does so much for us and our planet um and you know we sent we sent shortened it to neptune because on the consumer facing side it was it was clear and crisper but um yeah and beyond that you know the i i really like our our bright colors kind of pops off the shelf especially in a, a jerky category that doesn't have as much white and you know kind of light bright colors um and we don't take ourselves too seriously a lot of dad all our case boxes ship with dad jokes on the top and bottom and <laughs> things like that 
Yeah, a couple of things there. Well, first of all, I love the story and the narrative behind it because, you know, at the end of the day, we're marketers and we love storytelling. And so I love the story of the Neptune of the gods and pouring the drink out into the sea and that this is your kind of continuation of that, given your background, which is really beautiful. Um, and then the the packaging, I, like you said, it really does pop, but we're so used to this very masculine packaging. It's like very beef jerky, very, and like, you know, this is the opposite of that. I would argue it's very, not, I wouldn't say it's feminine, but it's very warm and inviting and poppy and much more modernized. I think both in the product itself and in the packaging that we're, that surrounds it. So I think you've done a really great job there. Well, thank you very much. In the last few minutes that we have left, I'd love to flip the script a little bit and just talk about you as an entrepreneur. So these are our quick fire questions, just whatever comes up top of mind. Cool? All right. I'm ready. (laughs) All right. Uh, What is the one thing you could not live without during the pandemic and you can't say your own product? (laughs) Um, Exercise, especially on the water. I live on the water and I try to get out for my exercise most days. Totally fair. If you could wave a magic wand and have anything happen for the brand, what would that be? Oh man. Um, oof, to uh, to replicate our our team um, to where it, being an early stage entrepreneur, you're, you've always got the roles of five people on you know on your head. So um, yeah, to, to get the right people in in our in our job roles. Nice. And if someone was listening in that could change your life, what would that person be? Who would that person be? Hmm. Interesting. Um. Maybe somebody who could partner with us that understands our our vision, our values, and our hope to build the flagship brand for sustainable ocean snacks across the United States, a national brand that people can trust for both the taste and quality of the product, but also kind of our vision of restoring humankind's healthy relationship with the sea, which is our mission. Mm-hmm. Um, here's that and, and has the understanding that this should be in convenience stores, Whole Foods, natural, you know, natural product stores across the country um, because people really like it and it's it's delicious. It is. It truly is. Uh, and lastly, what is your favorite word and why? And this could be something that's had meaning to you over time, or something that just pops in your head for this conversation. Oh, wow, um, I'm gonna have to go with what just popped into my head, and I'll have to think through why. But the word confluence, hmm, um, okay. I think it's just a really pretty word. But I also, as I'm thinking through this. You know, confluence is the coming together of several, you know, tributaries of a river. But I love the idea of confluence of ideas and, you know, journeys and missions. And um, as a marine scientist, I never imagined that I would start a CPG snack food company. But it's sort of (laughs) a lot of different experiences led to this. And, you know, there's there's many different threads into kind of the path that we're on that I I think is one that will make the impact that I'm hoping to with my life. and all we can do is keep swimming, I guess. <laughs> keep swimming. The the Nemo model, right? <laughs> yeah. Finding Nemo model. Nick, this has been a real pleasure. It's not often that I have someone on who is so um, has such a unique background. I mean, you're so brilliant and intelligent as it relates to how we're going to do better in this world. And then, like you said, the confluence of that and everything that's happened in your life to create a CPG brand. I'm just so honored to have had some time with you today. Thank you so much for spending time on the podcast. Yeah, you're too kind. The honor's been mine, and I I appreciate the opportunity. Well, thank you so much, and thanks to everyone who tuned in. Stay tuned for more from Elevate Your Brand coming up next.